Hello, you are about to listen to another episode of Beyond Clean, a podcast where we talk about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. I am your host, Dave Thompson. Yes, we are in Season 4. We broadcast out of Orlando, Florida. This is where the cleaning industry talks about everything that is healthy, positive, and proactive. We would love to have you on the show, so reach out to me, D. Thompson at academyofcleaning.com or at 888-999-6059. Be sure to listen to our live streaming that we will be doing this year on Podbean. Now, for today's show, let's get started. Good afternoon, folks. It is 1 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon of, well, however many days you are into your well, social isolation. Yeah, I guess that's what we're going to call this now. Social isolation, not distancing. Uh, yeah, we're all in our little microclimate of uh, our surroundings. As uh, some of you may know and some of you may not, I'm going to start this afternoon by <clears throat> just saying, you know, I live in a 38-foot motor coach. So my social environment is less than, well, 400 square feet inside. But thankfully, I live in uh, Orlando, Florida, where it's going to be in the high 80s and 90s for the rest of this week. And we have outdoor living. So um, between the inside and the outside and going and getting groceries, uh, that's about the existence of where we go these days. Thank goodness for the work that I have to do is because uh, most of it can be done through remote learning as we're going to be doing. We'll talk about that uh, this afternoon. One of the things I want to let you know before we get too far into this afternoon is that we are powered by Gym Supply where they have been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. And they are in a mad rush to get those cleaning supplies to all of you folks out there who are cleaning. You are not listening to me right now live on the air, but you'll probably listen to the recording some point sometime. Hopefully, uh, we'll put out some good information this afternoon that you can use in what you're doing. So what's the topic for me to discuss with you today? Um, gosh. Yesterday, we talked about motivation and motivating our frontline staff and the Rockstar program. Today, however, I'm going to talk to you about certifications. Um, it seems to be one of the things that's on the list here at the Academy. So uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I had a gentleman from uh, Pennsylvania actually call earlier today. And uh, he has a chain of about five or excuse me, five or so um, long-term care centers. And he just took over the uh, housekeeping EVS department about two years ago. And he said now because of everything that's going on, uh, they've been looking at their protocols and everything. And he's questioning if those protocols are appropriate. And his original reason for calling uh, this morning was actually to talk about the, well, if you will, the electrostatic sprayers, the spraying technology was his first question. So let me go with that question for today first. 
So, you know, there's been uh, many things that I've talked about this week. If you've listened to those, I'm not, I'm probably will go over some of that information here again today. So if you're with me, thank you. I see somebody's joined us this afternoon. Appreciate that. We're talking, well, just infection prevention uh, and certifications, not anything in particular quite yet. Um, let's get back to the gentleman in his call. The reason that he wanted to know about the electrostatic spraying is he's seeing all of the videos and all of the communication on all the social media out there about uh, these people walking around with these spraying devices, spraying product, if you will. And we don't know what products they're spraying in most cases, but they're spraying this product all over surfaces. And uh, one of the things he even he even brought up during the conversation, and I just saw this on the news as we're all watching, uh, they were spraying outside. So let me take a, a run at that one first before I get into what he was talking about inside the building. You know, my, my thoughts are this. How is it, and I'm just simply asking a question, so if there's anybody coming on the line, I see we had another person jump on here. Thank you very much. You know, if you have uh, some uh, opinion or you have something on this, please tell me. But I have not seen any documented evidence that there is any positive effects other than perception for spraying disinfectants on our outdoor environment. Here's my reasoning for questioning the validity of doing that is how in the world can you feel that you can spray a disinfectant or any chemical on a surface outside and for it to be safe for you to touch when we have airborne pollens and pollution and everything else is now immediately going to fall back onto that surface that was just sprayed and the other thing is if you ever look at any disinfectant, and I'm, I know I'm going to get onto a rant this afternoon, I apologize about that, but it just kind of chaps my rear end when I see people doing these things, is that how is it that you can expect a chemical to have any efficacy on a surface that is laden with organic material? I mean, because every label of any disinfectant I've ever seen you have to remove uh, a certain amount of the organic material on the surface before the disinfectant has any efficacy. So, you know, here's my thing. Whenever you talk about all of this, we go inside. And this was a point the gentleman was making this morning. Should we be using an electrostatic sprayer in the building? And I said, absolutely. It is an application device. It is probably the best application device to apply a product onto a surface. Now, I'm not saying only a disinfectant, and this is where you'll find out in our class that we're going to have on April the 2nd, we're not talking about just disinfectants. Folks, these units, no matter who you're buying it from, these electrostatic units are application devices. Uh, Daryl, I see you're on the line. Thank you very much for joining this afternoon. Daryl, if you have a thought, please join in. I'd love to hear from you. But even Daryl and I talked about this in one of our first uh, classes that we presented on this subject, is that 
the application device simply applies a product to a surface. Now that could be, and I would this afternoon tell you that I would advise you to even use that to apply your cleaners onto a surface. Now that would be what? Uh, a neutral cleaner, an all-purpose cleaner, a multi-purpose cleaner, whatever type of cleaner that you want to put on a surface using electrostatic sprayer. It's probably one of the best devices out there because it charges the product with a charge that makes it attached to the surface that you're trying to clean. Now, why am I talking about doing that? Because my advice to you this afternoon is have two bottles for your electrostatic sprayer. And this is what I told the gentleman this morning. We will discuss this in the class on the second. One should be labeled with properly, uh, properly labeled with the cleaner that you have. Another bottle for your, your sprayer that is going to be labeled with the disinfectant that you're using against the pathogen that you're going after. So you have two different bottles. You have one device. Now, the only thing is, is that you're probably going to want to clean or run product through that device a little bit. Uh, between the, the different products that you're putting in. But most generally, these are water-based products that you're going to be using these uh, devices for. Now, some of the manufacturers will even tell you that their device can be used to spray an insecticide. Imagine that, folks. What do you think a disinfectant is and how is it regulated? A disinfectant is regulated as a pesticide. So imagine, could I spray other types of pesticides through it to go out and, well, work around the outside trash dumpster? Sure, you certainly could. Also think about this. What about odor control device uh, products that you want to spray in that trash dumpster or around that trash dumpster? These are just an application tool to be used. They don't have limited uh, capacity just for disinfection. And I think this is the thing I want to tell everybody here this afternoon. We will talk about this during our, our class, is that these are devices to be used, but they have to be used correctly. So this is why we have a certification class for electrostatic spraying. Yes, there is one. Do you have to have it? That's been one of the other questions that's been asked. No, you do not have to have it. But, you know, as Daryl and I said on, on our earlier class, uh, should we not certify people that are doing these critical jobs? And this is the, the question that has come up many times. And the reason that you see if you're on the chat with us this afternoon or on the live uh, Podbean live uh, program. Um, okay, well, Daryl wants to call in and talk. So uh, maybe Daryl's got something to say here. Daryl, are you there? I am. How are you? Oh, just talking to myself like I am every afternoon, but I saw somebody want to call in and I recognize the name. Well, I think while you're talking about just a delivery, you know, the electrostatic sprayers being just a delivery system, uh, you know, think about that cotton t-shirt cloth that you're using to deliver cleaners and or disinfectants or 
you know, a uh, mop or a microfiber product. Those are all delivery systems, taking it from uh, bulk to a surface. And so what is the most efficient and effective uh, delivery system available to my mind is the electrostatic spraying because it goes to areas that um, that perhaps hadn't been uh, touched by, you know, a cloth, a microfiber wiper, uh, mop. But um, so it's just interesting that uh, that people want to kind of go off the rails wherever they're talking about electrostatics and, you know, that um, they're uh, because a lot of people think of the electrostatic sprayer itself as being the disinfectant. And Dave, you, you have covered that pretty well that, you know, it's not a disinfection um, or disinfectant. It is a delivery system. Well, and Daryl, you're absolutely right. And this was the point that I made with the gentleman. And, and as I talked with him, he's in a long-term care situation, which is, you know, really, you know, on the forefront of this issue that we're into right now, uh, because this is where our aged society is living. And so I, I applauded him for making the phone call and talking the situation through. And then, you know, he said, well, should I get a certification? I said, in your case, I'm going to tell you absolutely you should. And so this is why I told him, I said, our, our class on April the 2nd is going to be paramount to what he's talking about doing. Because, you know, then as we talked through the situation, he was like, you know what, I'll bet you we're not doing some of the things that we're doing now correctly. And, and I don't know if uh, how much, I mean, I spend a lot of my time on LinkedIn. This is where we put a lot of our messages out. And on LinkedIn, I am hitting everybody that's just showing a video of spraying and saying, we're, you know, here's our disinfection protocol. Yeah. And I got one, uh, got one back. He goes, well, explain to me why this isn't okay. And I'm like, okay, so see, this tells us that what people believe is all they have to do is walk in with the sprayer of whatever disinfectant and go spray around and they disinfect it. Well, that's people who uh, use cleaning and disinfecting as if they were interchangeable terms. And it's not. It's two separate operations. And you know cleaning has to precede uh, disinfection. I don't care if you're taking instruments out of the OR that have been inside of a body cavity. They have to be decontaminated first. The bioload has to be removed in order for effective disinfection to happen or sterilization in that case. But uh, EPA and CDC requires or states that uh, all surfaces should be pre-cleaned before applying disinfectants. And... Uh, I think it's even more true with this COVID-19 right now. And um, I think people are, are just using a one-step cleaner disinfectant. And, um, you know, one of the other interesting facts is that, you know, Dave, you and I have talked about this uh, Spalding's classification of surfaces in healthcare hospitals was written back in the 50s, 1950s, and is still being used for everything from surfaces, which they describe all 
uh, environmental surfaces, doorknobs, you know, overbed tables, you know, all those things, elevator buttons as being non-critical surfaces. And that was 70 years ago. (laughs) And think about what has happened since and during those 70 years. So we need to, first of all, get rid of the the non-critical. I would say that at the least, they are semi-critical. And uh, because one of the one of the um, uh, strategies for controlling or preventing this uh, virus is uh, cleaning and disinfection. And so the other thing is to get rid of the idea of things, whether it's visible soil or not. Uh, I think that too many people depend on that visible soiling and um, you know, what I always say is um, visible to who? Uh, the housekeeper that uh, left her glasses at home today? You know, uh, visible to who? And so we should assume that there is uh, biological contamination on that surface, whether we can see it or not. I mean, it could be the size of a pinhead and carry enough if infective material to infect a patient with C. diff. Uh, pinhead size uh, drop of fecal matter. Well, so we I'm need to get rid of the visible soiling and just go for cleaning and disinfection as two separate steps. Now, I was going to go there, but you went there before I got there. We, we think a lot alike, Daryl. Right minds think alike. <laughs> you know, well, the thing is, I'm on the CDC site right now. I've uh, been looking at, uh, you know, the latest protocol that they put out and the recommendations, if you will, um, and now, you know, I'm talking about this because this is what people have been asking today. Uh, we're going to be putting this into the protocol for the April 2nd uh, class. But this is recommendations for U.S. community facilities suspected or confu- confirmed with cor- coronavirus disease 2019 or the COVID-19, if you will. And so this is... If a facility has had a confirmed case, what are the process and procedures that should be done? And, and to the point that you just made, Daryl, it says here, if surfaces are dirty, they should be cleaned using a detergent or soap and water prior to disinfection. And to your exact point, who determines dirty? Right. Uh, even even if you're using a one-step cleaner disinfection disinfectant, they're saying you should go over it twice. Use the first one as the cleaner and the second one as a disinfectant. So yes, so and, and that's what you and I've always said. It. You can use whatever product you want to to clean it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you so, can use, so uh, <laughs> anything. Yeah. Right. I mean, and, and, and we've always said, you know, microfiber and water removes 99% of the pathogens and organic substances there. So, you know, if you wanted to simply wipe it with microfiber and water, that's pre-cleaning. Yep, and it's green cleaning. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, there, I'll go with you, the green cleaning. And, and then it goes in to say, you know, EPA registered disinfectant should be effective, follow the, you know, the end list. And then depending on what pathogen that you're after in that particular instance, you know, then you use the particular disinfectant. Um, 
you know, since you work in hospitals most of the time, Daryl, or healthcare organizations, in, in understanding what you do about COVID-19, one of the interesting things that I thought was also here that they put, now I don't know if you've seen this latest one from them or not, but it actually talks about the disinfectants uh, to use. And it actually states to use a product at its highest dilution or kill factor. What is going to be the hardest thing? And, you know, we're talking COVID-19 right now, but, you know, I'm talking about infection prevention as a whole. We don't know what viruses or bacteria might be there. What is the toughest a pathogen that I'm going to be after as a service worker? Well, I think there's growing uh, concern, and I'm reading, I didn't believe it at first because it was a very small study up in Canada at the very beginning of this COVID-19, but that um, about 20% of the patients who uh, are hospitalized are also um, having uh, the runny stools. And so uh, in that case, you know, if we're only using disinfectants that are effective against the coronavirus, then we're missing the C. diff that could be Correct. present in that bowel uh, or the fecal matter, I should say. So I think that if, if uh, I was advising someone, I would go with a higher level that have a product that is effective, um, has a C. diff kill claim. And that way, if you get into these situations, uh, you're already prepared with the right disinfectant that will kill the C. diff. And if it kills C. diff, it kills everything on the hierarchical uh, chart of easy to kill organisms or easier than C. diff spores. Well, and uh, that was my. Go ahead. Well, that was my point about this, is, and I think this is what you know I'm seeing is that people are wanting. Here we are again, even in a pandemic. I'm still getting questions from people, Daryl. Uh, how fast can the product work, and how long do I have to do it? Really, do I have to spend that long? And I'm like, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to just do the job and say you did it? You're really trying to save lives. <laughs> well, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of studies that have shown that disinfectant or disinfection of surfaces is not doing the job it should. And effective disinfection requires not only an effective product, but also effective practice. And so the combination of the product and practice uh, results in effective surface disinfection, including the risk of uh, viral removal and then the activation of C. diff. So I think that the failure to thoroughly disinfect surfaces uh, is not serving the patients uh, like we should, whether they be residents in uh, long-term care or in healthcare. Um, and I get it that, uh, you know, hospitals, you know, most of them are very busy right now, but um, 
you know, they really need to staff up when it comes to environmental services and give us the opportunity to get the right products, the right processes, and people trained up, educated, and certified, and then have the proper amount of time it takes to actually process these surfaces or areas. Well, and, and, and you say process, and I think this is the point of almost everyone on my podcast this week and probably will be for the foreseeable future, is that this is a process. It isn't one item, and it's not one or the other. It's not the cleaner. It's not the disinfectant. It's not the microfiber. It's not the electrostatic. It's not the person. It's the whole process of everything. Right, and um, there isn't one of those single legs of that three-legged stool that will allow it to stand alone. You know, the disinfectant, yeah, you got the right disinfectant, but if you don't have the right process and that we're actually measuring what we're doing, <laughs> I think that's, that's in many cases, the missing key is measuring what we're doing and to know that the process, product, the person are all doing as they should and eliminating um this living virus on these surfaces. And, and that was kind of my point. It, it, you, you beat me to each one of my questions, Daryl. Well, maybe I should have my own podcast. Well, no, that's why you're on here. So you can put this out wherever you want to, Daryl. So here's one of the things that I got because we're talking about cleaning up uh, facilities that have been infected this afternoon. So do I need a certification for that? There is no requirement that I have found from anybody, CDC or anybody that says a, a certification is required. But my point is this, as we talked this afternoon on Podbean Live, is that my recommendation is, just like you and I said the other day, I should have a driver's license to drive down the street. Can you drive down the street without one? Yep, until something happens, and then where are you? And I think this is what we're talking about this afternoon is, you should have a certification because when something happens, do you want to be the one that says, well, we really don't have a certification for that. And I think we're getting calls from people that say, you know what, I need to step up my game and I need to know that I'm doing it the right way. So one of the questions I had, and I want to get your opinion, it says, okay, so I've went through and we've decontaminated and we've followed procedures it's time to reopen the school district or our, our buildings. What happens when you reopen and someone cough and they sneeze and we don't know if they have symptoms? Are we expected to stop, shut everything down and do this all over again? I would say no, uh, unless that person, you know, I know we're just, um, in my opinion, overboard on uh, coughs and sneezes. And my wife and I were, you know, when restaurants were still open here in St. Louis, now they're all uh, closed except for takeouts. But uh, we were walking in and she has these seasonal allergies. And so she was coughing. I said, I need to hang a sign around your neck that says springtime allergies. <laughs> <laughs> so the people that, didn't give her the stink eye <laughs> when she was coughing. But you're exactly right. I mean, my car right now, every morning is covered with pollen from the trees. And if you have those allergies, you're going to cough and sneeze. Right. 
So don't assume that every cough or sneeze is loaded with COVID-19. And I think that as we get into the warmer temperatures, I think seasonal flu normally dies down. I mean, the end of March is the end of the official flu season. And I think that uh, this COVID-19, as the temperatures warm all across the country, and, um, you know, it gets warm and humid like it does down there in uh, Florida, that uh, this virus doesn't like warm and humid conditions. It likes dry and cool. So uh, I think that we, we may see a, a natural end of this, and then that will give CDC and others time to, uh, to plan a strategy for if it rebounds in the fall and winter of next year that comes well, back. Well, to think that a virus is only here and it's going to be gone and we're only have one season, I think is foolhardy. Um, we need to, we need to get these certifications. We need to have protocols and put them in place and right. be better prepared right. come this fall because it's going to come back. Exactly. And um, so we need to be uh, educated, certified. And, you know, I always say that, you know, when the wolf at, is at the door is not the time to start thinking about certification. Uh, it ought to be now and that you're ready for the next one. It's not get ready, it's be ready. So this gentleman also continued that their district is installing, uh, as he puts it, air filter media that removes germs, viruses, and bacteria from the air. So they're going to be treating the surfaces the same uh, and their air as a system. They're going to be doing both. And his question is, should we be doing more or is this enough? No, all that's treating is the air that circulates across the surfaces. But, um, you know, I'm not sure uh, what system, air system that they're talking about, but I'm not, a, unless it's like in a clean room and you, Dave, you've seen clean rooms and oh, yeah. that is, is the height of uh, cleanliness for good reasons. And we're not talking about that in schools. So unless you have clean room sort of environment with that sort of air filtration and purification, then I don't want to hear about schools having uh, something that removes viruses to a level that we don't need to clean and disinfect. Okay, so let me play a little devil's advocate with you, Daryl. You know, I've been a chronic asthmatic most of my life now, and you know, uh, I can't do it here in my motor coach, but when I owned my uh, brick and mortar home, I had special filters that I put into the air system to trap as many allergens and stuff. And they were expensive, $1,000 a piece. And I did that uh, about three times a year. Um, is this what we're talking about? We just need to move up our level of air filtration like we do with a, a, a vacuum cleaner with a HEPA filter? Leave and HEPA filters don't um, filter out the, the virus size particles. And, you know, it's mostly, uh, you know, pollen and dust. And, um, you know, and indeed those do act as a, uh, a 
a vector, you know, that moves this bacteria that's laden with virus uh, yeah. around on dust particles. And I get their ability to say it uh, effectively removes 99% of the dust and pollen, but uh, we're talking about a virus that is one nine hundredth the width of a human hair. And so I don't think that um, HEPA will filter down to that particle size, but, you know, that's the concern right now is that um, the virus is very small. Now, it can't, it doesn't have legs or wings to, to move around, so it's going to do so on dust particles. But, you know, if you don't have an effective, you know, air filtration system, then, you know, you're setting yourself up for problems. But, you know, the air filtration you described at home uh, got rid of the, the dust and the pollen and, though you know, dander and those kinds of things. Even the, you know, our, our skin just naturally sheds all, all the time and just the, the human uh, skin flakes and what have you that uh, winds up on the floors and all over your home. You know, all that gets taken care of with the filtration you're talking about. But, you know, I would not go out on a limb and just assume that that's going to be the the salvation of, you know, cleaning and disinfecting of schools or any public space. Well, I was on, I did have um, a gentleman on the air that uh, talked about probiotics and leaving behind a, well, if you will, a, a, uh, a coating of a, of by, uh, well, bacteria that actually is beneficial and will continue to work for us instead of against us. Um, have you any thoughts on that once that these facilities have been decontaminated? I think those are great uh, technologies, and I know the one you're talking about, and the idea is just like, um, oh, people who have um, problems with, uh, you know, they live every day with, uh, C. diff, you know, not everyone with C. diff uh, is in hospitals. I had uh, a couple of ladies uh, that called me that one of them had just gotten back from the hospital and, uh, you know, with a bout of C. diff and they were concerned about their home and what they can do to, um, for one of the sisters to pass it on to the other one. They, they live together and so they're both concerned about getting what the other one has. And so I suggested after you clean and disinfect it, disinfect it, you know, you should use a probiotic pro, uh, product just like, you know, the sister who has C. diff, she needs to get probiotics into her uh, stomach and into her digestive system mm -hmm. that overpowers these, uh, the bad guys because that's what's happened is antibiotics have killed all the, the good uh, 
they call it flora in right. your in your gut. And uh, so they want you to have probiotics that builds up the, the good flora and then it overpowers, you know, if you keep the, the probiotics coming, then the, the C. diff has less of a chance to take over that, that whole system. And so I think if we use that analogy uh, with surfaces that uh, populating them with good uh, probiotic bacteria, and, you know, as you know, Dave, you and I talk, 90% of the bacteria is good stuff. Right. And uh, we need it for decomposition of uh, we, the earth would be. We uh, need it to live. Deep. Well, the earth would be 12 feet deep with, uh, with stuff that didn't rot if it wasn't for good bacteria that, uh, that digests all that stuff. So. That we need it to live, and we need good bacteria in our bodies. We need good bacteria on surfaces. So I think it's uh, it's making more of a case for uh, for that to happen in uh, in all of our public spaces. Is just rather than going after killing the little boogers, we ought to just outnumber them with the good guys and um, maybe oh, I, have better outcomes. I think you've been looking at my show notes, Daryl. <laughs> because one of the other questions I've got here right after that one was, are we over disinfecting our environment? Well, by their nature, uh, they have to be toxic. All disinfectants are they're As you said earlier, they're all registered pesticides and a pesticide kills living bugs. And, um, uh, in this case, they're unseen, but they're there and they're alive and they're growing and uh, causing harm to uh, to the the public that uses that space. So, yeah, I think that um, you know we we need to rethink um, you know rather than just using these in many cases. Uh, toxic to humans in the space you know i know of one disinfectant that now has a class action lawsuit uh from employees in hospitals that have had to breathe this stuff for um you know some of these nurses that work 12 12 hour shifts you know and you know think about the patients that can't get up and leave at the end of the 12 hours they're staying there for days and being affected by these strong smelling disinfectants and uh, it can't be healthy for other reasons but you know i think that we need to be using things that are not orally or dermally toxic and um, so the list of available disinfectants gets whittled down pretty quickly if you start going for the um, the impact that it has on uh, humans uh, who have to be in that space and think about these small bathrooms and hospitals and even in places of employment and the air circulation, you know, you talk about air, you know, purifying and what have you, but, you know, I've been in some of those little bathrooms and you start spraying disinfectants in there and you get overcome pretty quickly. So we need to do a better job of uh, limiting um, what we're using and how we're applying it. And 
really asks the question, does everything need to be disinfected? Well, and, and my point has always been along, Daryl, uh, I'm not sure how you feel on this particular one, but my point has always been, uh, and whenever I was talking with the gentleman about the use of probiotics, you know, how we leave the surface to me is much more important than what I did before. And so I think this goes back to your measuring the outcomes, and this is something we're going to talk about at length in our April 2nd uh, remote learning class. The outcome is as important as everything else, if not maybe more. And so we need to have the measuring devices. But my point to all of that is all chemistry that we use should be rinsed on a surface because we're building up a, a, a load of these products. And the reason I say this is because in my experience, we do not do a proper cleaning before we use the disinfectant. So what we're doing is getting a disinfectant a load on a surface because what we're doing now, especially now with these people wanting to just go and spray everything, they're never removing anything before they just keep spraying. And so I'm afraid that we're getting ready to go into this area where all we're going to do is load up surfaces. So my point to that part of the conversation, Daryl, is I promote that we should always rinse chemistry off to leave the surface neutral so that if you are going to use a probiotic or some other uh, protection chemistry, that it can actually do the job. Because if it's loaded with disinfectant, it's going to counteract what we're putting onto it. Would you agree or disagree? I think you're really on to something. And um, I know that there are, to my knowledge, there are no published studies that show that if you use a general purpose cleaner, microfiber wiper, and immediately followed that with a rinse, a clear water rinse on that same surface with a microfiber, if you wouldn't be approaching the levels of most disinfectants, just a, a cleaner disinfectant that just wiped on a surface one time. I'd like to see what the ATP readings would be for that two-step process that you or that I just described to you. You know, get a reading after the first one with a general cleaner, and after the second one with um, with clear water, and you know, side by side with one that's just a one-step cleaner and disinfectant with a microfiber. And I bet you would get similar results. You know, ATP readings, and we wouldn't well, be using any. Uh, Daryl, I can tell you this. I've been doing ATP counting and measuring for over a decade now uh, when it very first came out. And I've done multiple tests in this area trying to convince myself, not anybody else. Because, you know, first of all, I have to be convinced of what my uh, the outcome of my protocol that I advise people of. And so I can tell you that the single tool that I have found to be the most effective on any flat, smooth surface. Now that I didn't say horizontal or vertical, so it doesn't really matter as long as it's flat and smooth. Is no matter what I used before that tool, 
I can always come by with a professional window squeegee. And I know they call them window squeegee, but they're just a squeegee. We use them on windows, but I use them on smooth, flat surfaces because that squeegee is the best removal tool that there is. Every class that I conduct, I always talk about pH and physical removal. Unless I've had that physical removal in the most complete manner, I have not got the most proper outcome. And I love microfiber, but microfiber always leaves more than a squeegee. Well, the process that you described can't be used on patients' bed rails. And, right. I understand that. You know, it has I'm, I'm just talking where we can't, though, Daryl. I mean, think of all the flat, smooth surfaces that we're using wipers on that we could be using squeegees and do so much better. I agree. And, um, you know, what, I, what I've done before is comparing, you know, taking a plate that I had just eaten breakfast on and putting it into the uh, the sink with hot soapy water and washing, removing that, you know, food matter and then rinsing it hot water and then drying it with a, uh, just a dish towel. And so, you know, that, that plate then is safe enough to eat off of the next right. time. Right. <laughs> Correct. And, and we've talked yet, about it for years. Yeah. But yet that same, uh, vitreous china that's in that plate is the same thing that's on urinals and toilets. Exactly. And the same. Yet we, we have to, why do we feel like we have to disinfect those? Because after you've disinfected that, I guarantee that you're not going to eat off of it, but <laughs> you would, if you would use hot soapy water and then hot rinse and wipe it dry. I, I think this goes back to what we started the conversation with, Daryl, and I thank you very much for helping me this afternoon because I hadn't been talking to myself. <laughs> so I appreciate you coming on the line on a, on a Thursday afternoon here on Podbean Line and just talking with me. But, you know, the thing here is, is it's just like when we started this morning with the guy with the protocol or the, the phone call. Should I use an, uh, an electrostatic sprayer to apply the disinfectant? You know, all of these things are good. All of these things are, but, you know, when it comes down to it, what is the purpose for what you're doing? And I think we're in a pandemic situation here. What is the best practices? I'm not saying what you want to do every day. If you want to do it every day and follow through with that later after this is over, fine. I would applaud you. But during this time, we should be looking at the best practices, not how to do it the quickest, not to do just the minimum that we can get by with. I don't want to, you know, why are we buying a product that, oh, it's got a three-minute kill time instead of 10-minute kill time? Do we care? You know, I think here, I just found this from the EPA. They advise if the directions for use for viruses and the virucidal activity to list different contact times or dilutions, Use the longest contact time and the right. most con concentrated solution on right. the product labeling. And I think this is what we're trying to say here. If you go through a certification class with us, you are going to learn best practices. 
what you choose to do in your environment is going to depend on that environment. And I think you were the first one that actually uh, told me this. I've used it several times in the podcast, fit for purpose. And I think that's what we're talking about. If I'm at a school, I'm not dealing with bed rails. If I'm dealing with an office building, I'm dealing with desk and I'm dealing with conference tables and I'm dealing with walls and I'm dealing with restrooms with lots of partitions. There's many surfaces that are smooth and flat. So the best application device, well, maybe not application, <laughs> the best removal device is a squeegee. Right. In the other cases, it would be a micro, a micro denier, as like you like to say, uh, microfiber, not just a standard microfiber, but a micro denier. Right. And Dave, on a on a different note, when we get off this call, I need to uh, let you in on uh, some microfiber. Um, a group that has actually gone after being able to qualify, uh, which, you know, the, the, I guess the construction of microfiber. Um, so it, it gets to, you know, getting rid of some of these claims that, uh, you know, well, I got, I use microfiber. We buy them at the Sam's club or down at Walmart, you know, they're, <laughs> $20 for a hundred of them or whatever, you know, and, or $15 for a hundred of them. So we're using microfiber. So we, we need to qualify what we're talking about when we talk about uh, the right microfiber. Well, that's why the Academy has a, a, a course. It's not a certification yeah, course, but a free course for, you know, understanding microfiber. We talk in there about the way microfiber is made, what it is, and what microfiber really is. And you're right, Daryl. We have to quantify that just as well as anything else. So, you know, you can't use a disinfectant unless it's EPA registered and say that we're disinfecting. You can't. Right. But with microfiber, it's unregulated. Right. It's kind of it's kind of like what uh, the gentleman with the probiotics, what he was saying, it's kind of like the wild, wild west. You do whatever you want to. Right. Making claims you want to. Right. And we can't do that. That's why we have these. And so um, this is why certifications, which is what I'm talking about this afternoon, are so very important. Folks, because if you're listening. You, Dave, you know, just one last thing is what you're talking about is evidence-based processes and yes. if people are interested in evidence-based as opposed to this is the way we've always done it there's nothing wrong with it then you know you need to um like i like to say uh, i make it a point to work with the best educate the haters and step over those who do not have it in them to do what it takes to protect patients in our community so yeah, I agree. You're going you're gonna to have an audience that uh, that wants to hear what you have uh, as far as evidence based uh, processes and products, and you educate others and the ones that uh, <clears throat> don't have it in them to do what it takes to protect the the public that they serve. Then uh, you just step over those people. You know, I, it, it goes around along our rock star program, which we talked at length about yesterday. I'm talking to the rock stars, the people that want to do it better, step it up, move to the best practices. Uh, the rest of the people, they'll either fall off, they'll follow, 
or they'll get out of the way because I think the time right now is is get with the program and do it right. Uh, those people that are listening to this recording, since they're not on live with us, if you're listening to this recording, hopefully it's before the April the 2nd uh, class that we're going to do. It is going to be remote uh, learning, going to be streamed on zoom.us. We've been doing this for quite some time, so it's nothing new to us. Uh, it will be from 11 a.m. on Thursday. That is next Thursday um, from 11 until 5 p.m. Eastern time. It is a certification class, so you will get a certificate if you pass the exams. I've had questions of how you do that. Well, whenever you sign up and you register for it, you'll get a link to the uh, class and then the certification exams will be done live as we're doing the class. There'll be a number of them as we go through the six hours of instructional material. It will be live. It will be where you can talk with me and I can talk with you as long as you have a webcam and we can do that. If you don't have a webcam, don't fret. There's a chat box so you can chat with us as we do it. I'm not sure, Daryl, whether you'll be able to join us, but you're certainly welcome to join us and add anything to it that you would like. Okay, Dave. Thanks. Daryl, uh, thanks for your time this afternoon. Yeah, take care. Bye. Folks, if you're still uh, listening, I see we've got some people that have come on and off uh, here this afternoon. Uh, thanks to Daryl. Uh, Daryl Hicks, he's been uh, working with me for a number of years. I appreciate him coming on and carrying some of the conversation this afternoon. We've been on here for quite a while. I'm not going to go into a whole lot more that people have asked. I think we've uh, talked about most of the questions that have come up. Uh, one of the things I do want to tell you is that we do have a uh, first responder safe class, if you will, kind of, you know, those people that are going in right now and taking care of a facility, preparing it for occupation later on. We do have a class on that. It's free. Just go to the academyofcleaning.com. Go to the online courses and you'll find the free class there. As well as when you get there, we now have newly released Spanish classes. A number of those, we're going to be getting more of those up on the list. We've had a number of people ask for those. So trying to get those out as quick as we can. Uh, if there's any other questions that you have and you're listening to this in a recording, my email address is dthompson at academyofcleaning.com. I'd love to hear from you. As you can see, as Daryl did, we're on the uh, live every afternoon at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Just call in, give it a chat. If you have a question, send it to me. We'd be glad to talk with you live. But if not, we'll uh, talk about it and maybe somebody else can learn from the question that you ask. Once again, I thank you for being on this afternoon or listening to this podcast. We are sponsored and powered by Jim Supply. They are a distributor of cleaning goods in Central Florida, where they have been improving lives with cleaning supplies since 1930. That's going to be the end of the show for today. We appreciate you coming on and being here. Whatever you do, make sure that you keep it healthy, positive, and proactive, and I'll see you tomorrow.